Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. From the gospel that I just read, and will not God vindicate his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will vindicate them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Pardon me, I didn't just read that, I know. Sean just read it. The grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Uh, As we begin today our series on pivotal parables, I had to think back to Pastor Carl's first Sunday here and first sermon. I wondered if perhaps he has a thing about alliteration with letters with words that begin with P. I know he introduced himself as not a peripatetic preacher. Uh, He doesn't wander around. For those of you young ones who don't know peripatetic, it means walk around. He's not a peripatetic preacher. And then I'm almost certain I heard him say almost under his breath and uh, not, I missed it. No, uh, it was two Ps, something, something pathetic anyway. I shouldn't have introduced it. I did it before, but anyway. So we come up with pivotal parables. And one of them that we're looking at today is the parable of the unrighteous judge and the persistent widow. Uh, Recently, I received an email message, a long one, entitled, Things That I Really Don't Understand. Uh, It had a list of questions for which there seems to be no clear-cut answer, but they're a little humorous. Uh, Why do doctors and lawyers call what they do practice. Uh, Why is abbreviation such a long word? Why is it that when you're driving and looking for an address, you turn down the volume on your radio? Uh, Why is a boxing ring square? This one takes a couple take a little thought. What was the best thing before sliced bread? Okay. And how did a fool and his money get together in the first place? They're lighthearted, they're humorous, they make us think a little bit, but there are things in life that aren't humorous and that cause us to wonder and to ask questions. A 13-year-old, perfectly healthy, suddenly contracts a virus or something, and everything's changed. We don't understand accidents. Days going along fine, suddenly something happens, and, and I've cared for many people in the last five years of that happens, something breaks, and you can't go back before the accident. Life has changed. We could go on with a list, uh, why do good people suffer? And with the parable I ju- that we're focusing on, Why do some of our urgent prayers seem to go unanswered? Finally, that can lead us to the point where we ask the question, can we count on God when we face troubles and the heartaches of life? Can we count on God? 
this parable in Luke 18 points us toward an answer. At first, it sounds a little strange when we hear it. An unjust, arrogant judge refuses to give a, a persistent widow her due. The judge ignores her at first, but finally grants it because she keeps coming back. In the NIV that I read, an earlier version at home, came back because she'll, he gave her her due because she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. The more uh, up-to-date version here that Pastor Sean read, I will see that she gets justice so she won't eventually come and attack me. That's better uh, translation of the word hippopiazo in the Greek. It meant striking a back boxer, striking his opponent right under the eye. Judge was worried that at least she, she would give him a uh, black-eyed reputation. That's the parable. Jesus makes his point, and he frames it in the form of a question. He says, if an unjust judge gives this woman her due, imagine how quickly you will be heard if you go to the Father who loves you. That's a great promise. And even as we've introduced a bit, sometimes we wonder about that. The God figure in the parable is the unrighteous judge. But this judge begins with loving us. At the same time, we might think of the fact that while the unjust judge, have to walk, watch how I say that, while the unjust judge does it because he doesn't want to sully his reputation, in a somewhat similar way, God will be true to his word that he's given us. Paul makes a point in, in Romans chapter 8 that as humankind has fallen into sin, the whole creation has been subject to futility. It, sin didn't just affect those of us humans. Things that happen in nature and all of that happen also because of our fall into sin. And Paul says there, in effect, as God will rescue that creation from all of its futility, he will rescue us. And he would have to give up on his promises if he did not rescue us. So, even the unjudged judge will respond because he loves us and because of his promises to us. Does that ring a little hollow sometimes? A couple of statements at the end of that parable. Will God avenge his elect who cry out to him day and night? The expected answer is yes. Yes. Is he patient with them? That seems to be a more appropriate translation of the Greek. The answer again is yes. We have to look at this through the eyes of Christ, of the entire gospel, which means that seeing it through 
the whole account of our Lord. God does hear our prayers. It isn't a matter of winners or losers because the vindication has already occurred. It's occurred there on Calvary. It's occurred there as our Lord took our sins upon himself. Yes, it's repeated over and over, but that's where it happened. It didn't stop there. Jesus blasted the door off the tomb. And on the third day, he rose again. With that, to allow evil to overcome us, he would have to deny all that he has done. And in effect, he isn't going to spoil his reputation in order to do that. The gospel message will triumph in our lives as we ask. Years ago, when I was serving a congregation with a uh, Christian school, I was teaching the eighth grade confirmation class in school. One of my pupils' fathers, on a Sunday morning after early services, I was on the way to teach a Bible class, stopped me in the hallway. He was about yay high, but he could have been a linebacker for the Chicago Bears. He said, Pastor, I have to talk to you. I said, John, I've got a Bible class. I have late service. What about, we could make it 12.30 or 1 o'clock. I have to talk to you. You don't argue. So I went down the hall, gave him the lesson material to one of our teachers, and we went to my office. And I discovered that John had been wondering, worrying, praying for a long time about something. He explained that in their small house, Laura, his daughter, the one I taught, was one of four. The only quiet place to do homework or that was in his and his wife's bedroom. At the same time, he was an avid reader, and so when he wanted quiet time, he would go there, and on a shelf above the bed were many books. One day after work, he was tired, he needed some quiet and peace, and he went down and sank down on the bed. And off the shelf up above falls Laura's open Bible. She had been in there doing her catechism homework. He said, I want to read you something. That's where it was open to. Romans chapter 3. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. He read that, looked at me and said, Pastor, does this mean me? Before you answer that. And he shared a shameful life. At the end, he turned to me, looked at me and said, Pastor, does this mean me? 
Yes, John. And this hulk of a man dissolved in tears. It didn't stop there. He went on to rejoice in that new life given to him, something he had been praying for, something that he could just wouldn't happen until he heard or read that word of God. That's a glorious truth we know. God vindicates us because of what he has done. The gospel message will triumph. I've shared this before, but it's appropriate here. I read today's gospel when I was searching for an answer when I left Fort Wayne where I was in college here in my senior year, went home for Thanksgiving and learned that my mother had a sudden serious illness and the doctor had just told her and dad that she had six weeks to live. For those six weeks, I prayed like mad that the Lord would leave her with us rather than take her home. And somehow, the Holy Spirit brought another prayer just as firm. Lord, if it's her time, help us, help me, help us as a family to know your care and love and stay in that love. Well, it happened that six weeks later she did die. This time a revelation didn't come like it did for John. Sometimes the Lord teases us a bit. Perhaps, perhaps it's a relative. Perhaps it's the neighbor. Perhaps it's another member of St. Michael. When, when everything's going wrong, or at least one main thing's going wrong in our lives, who will say a word of encouragement or maybe a loving chiding, and we go back to that word of God. Sometimes it takes some teasing, kind of like a, a doctor, Ronald Glasser, had his, had, tells of his experience with Carrie, a four-year-old that he had been dealing with ever since he had been born. Carrie was back in the hospital again, this time for a kidney transplant. And when he got there, the place was just too overwhelming for him. He refused to open his eyes. The staff said, we have to force his eyes open. And Dr. Glasser felt then he would be uh, hysterically blind. That won't help. But one day, he had another thought. Without saying anything, he came into Carrie's room and on Carrie's bed, placed a kitten. The kitten came over and nibbled on his fingers a bit and Carrie became intrigued. He reached for the kitten, but the little fur ball was too, too quick for him. He couldn't find it. He had to open his eyes. I had to be teased into that continuing second prayer as well. Returned to college, and there was daily chapel, and I didn't want to go. But if you're familiar with what is now the 
uh, Concordia Theological Seminary campus. There next to the chapel is a campanile, a bell tower. And in between my junior and senior years, they had actually put a bell in there. My dorm was down the way a bit. And every morning, that infernal bell rang for 10, t- ten minutes. I started out not wanting to go. Teased, went, heard the word of God proclaimed when I went home at Easter time. Was able to sing joyously, I know that my Redeemer lives. The last hymn that mom had chosen for her funeral. So even when our world seems dark, that Savior stays with us. Our circumstances, our sin, may make it feel as though he's not, but he is. And he comes and reminds us again, as we did this morning, of our baptisms. I have to think every morning, that Savior washed me and he has told me, I'm with you. You leave me, I'm here. I'm here and calling you back. And regularly we receive him in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. So we pray constantly, openly, persistently, knowing that that Lord has answered, has died and risen again, and has given us that promise that he will return. Yes, we can count on God. After all, his reputation is at stake. His promise to the world for centuries is our promise as well. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. May that peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.